Dan, hi. Hi, mate. You all right? How you feeling? Good. Feeling good? good? Yeah. Happy right. to be here. Thanks good. for having he, me. He's the good guy in the bad guy. I'm going to speak to Dan. <laughs> I'm going to pray for Dan. And Dan is a great guy. Guy, he's in Wimbledon, but <laughs> we've all got our problems. And so, but Dan uh, loves the Word of God. He loves God and he loves people. Yeah, and I know man. he loves young people. He does a great work with them there in mm. Wimbledon. He's going to serve us excellently uh, this week. So I'm going to pray for him. Why don't you close your eyes where you are? Why don't you pray for him as well in your heart? Dear Father, thanks so much for Dan. Thank you for his uh, love for you. Thank you for his enthusiasm for young people as well, Lord. And we just want to pray, help him now as he speaks to us. Help him to think clearly, speak clearly, Lord God. And I pray, let him not hold back. Let him sock it to us with all yeah, his might. Man. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Brilliant. Thanks so much, Stephen. Welcome, guys. It's so good to be here. It's a real privilege to get to speak with you today. As Stephen said, my name's Dan. I'm from South London. Uh, I'm at a church called Everyday Church. Give us a shout out if you're from there, little group. There we go. Yeah, it's really, it's a great joy to get to speak to you today. As, as Stephen said, I love, uh, I love young people. I work a lot with teenagers. I work with teenagers from all different kind of backgrounds, um, from different walks of life, uh, from different situations. And it's a real joy. And my biggest passion is, uh, is telling young people about Jesus. Um, I don't just work with young people in church. I work with young people in different environments. My biggest passion is to tell them about Jesus because I genuinely believe that Jesus truly is, following Jesus truly is the best thing for our lives. It doesn't always seem it, but I truly genuinely believe it. So over the next couple of days, I really want to talk to you about who is Jesus, about what does it mean to follow him. Look at the Bible about some people whose lives were radically changed by deciding to follow Jesus and then work out what could that mean for us. And I'm going to start today by just telling you a little bit about my story, about who I am, and about how I came to know Jesus. So as I said, I'm Dan, I'm 28, I'm a pastor at Everyday Church, I've got a, I've got a family, I'm married, I've got a wife called Nikki, and I've got a little baby called Joe, I've got a little picture of him, so you can see, it's my little family, my little boy, he's quite cute, um, my wife made him wear that hat, he's going to hate that picture when he's older, I've got him a nice snapback, but that's the one she wanted to go for, so... Um, there we go. But he's a little cutie. He's on site as well, so you can come and say hello to him. He's very friendly. Um, so my story, I haven't always followed Jesus. Um, for most of my life, actually, I haven't. Um, I grew up, um, so like many of you, there'll be loads of people here from different backgrounds. Joe was great yesterday. He kind of said that as well, was very aware that some of us will be here with different experiences of Jesus, different experiences of uh, uh, you know, Christianity in general. Some of you will have been brought up in a Christian home, um, parents, whoever looks after you at home, telling you about Jesus all your life. Some of you, this will be your first experience of, uh, of who Jesus is and kind of anything Christian at all. You're kind of just working it out and listening to this. Um, I grew up in a, in a home I, with my mum and dad. They, they went to church, they were believers in Jesus, and they would, uh, they would talk to me a lot about who he is. So I knew a lot about the stories as, a, you know, all the typical Bible stories. Went to church as a kid, I knew about Noah's Ark, I knew about Jonah and the whale, all the standard stuff you learn about as a, uh, as a kid. And um, I like going to church, it was all right, it's just all I knew. But as I started to grow up, as I got to like my um, kind of early teens, uh, other stuff kept cropping up. Kind of as I started secondary school at the beginning of... Um, uh, yeah, the beginning of secondary school, kind of year six, year seven, year eight, that kind of age, I started really thinking, what is the point in this whole Christianity thing? A lot of, none of my mates, I didn't really have any friends at church. All my friends were at school, the school I went to. And um, none of them followed Jesus. None of them did, were Christians. None of them bothered with church. To be honest, all of them thought he was boring. And I kind of agreed 
To be honest with you, I found church really boring. I found kind of Christianity quite boring, the whole idea of it boring. My friends were starting to talk about um, girls. Well, as soon as I turned, got to year seven, girls were suddenly quite a big interest um, for me. And, uh, and the kind of, they were all starting to experiment with drugs a little bit, all starting to drink down the park on a, on a Friday night after school. We'd all go down and that's what they wanted to do. And um, I kind of used to feel, hang on, I don't think I'm allowed to do this. Um, they're all kind of doing it, but, but I'm not allowed to do this because there's something to do with church. Something to do with church doesn't say that we can have sex. Something says we can't uh, be in relationships. I'm too young. Something says I'm not supposed to be drinking and I used to ask about this at church, you know, why can't we, why can't I be, you know, they're, they're starting to sleep around, have girlfriends and stuff, why can't I do that? And the only answer I used to get is just because we're not supposed to, we're Christians, it's in the Bible, we'll talk to you about it a bit when you're older. And that wasn't really enough for me. I kind of really desired that lifestyle, I thought this is boring. If you're telling me the only reason I can't be like everyone else and all my friends is because I'm a Christian and therefore being a Christian means a whole bunch of rules come along with it, then I don't want anything to do with this. It sounds boring. It doesn't sound real. It doesn't sound good. And then my granddad died. Um, my granddad was an elder at the church. He was like one of the leaders there. Really good guy. Um, really loved him. Really good. Always served, seemed to serve God. And kind of. Um, and he got cancer. And he died in quite a horrible way. It was really horrible to see him go. And I kind of was trying to work out, hang on a minute. So you're trying to tell me, one, I've got to lead this boring life to be a Christian and just go to church every Sunday. And then two, after doing all that, you'll still get ill and can die, even if you're a really good Christian and follow him. And for me, just none of this added up. That wasn't, it wasn't good enough, um, and that's all I knew of Christianity. So I decided I'm not doing it. I'm not going to follow it. I want to do my own thing. Um, I didn't really get who Jesus was. To be honest with you, for me, Jesus was a bit of a fairy tale, a bit like kind of Santa Claus. Or, um, sorry, if I've just ruined Santa Claus for you, then uh, maybe... Uh, there might be one or two who are still holding on to that. I'm very sorry. There'll be a prayer team afterwards that can help you um, work that through. But, um, <laughs> but for me, Jesus was in a, you know, because Santa Claus, there's some kind of um, legend behind the myth, isn't there? There's a guy called um, St. Nicholas, and he'd done something somewhere and somehow turned into Santa Claus. And uh, for me, Jesus was like that. I was thinking, there's, there's maybe some legend, some kind of truth to this guy that somehow made him this kind of famous person, but surely that's something you just grow out of. Surely no one sensible really believes this. Um, I believed that there was a God. I did believe, I'd been to New Day. I'd seen all the um, uh, kind of Adrian's healing talks and things like that as a teenager and kind of seen some amazing stuff and was like, I do believe there has to be a God. I do believe something has to start at all creation. But does that God really care about us that much? Does that God... Uh, get involved. Is Jesus God or is he just something that we're, we're told to believe so that we have to follow a bunch of rules? That was kind of where I was at. So I did my own thing. As a, as a teenager, I, I started going out with girls. I had quite a few different girlfriends, started sleeping around quite a bit, um, started messing about with drugs um, because it's what everyone else is doing. I'm rubbish at saying no to peer pressure. <laughs> um, I just wanted to be cool. I just wanted to fit in wherever, yeah? So I would, there was not really much I wouldn't do um, do you know, I would have come up and quite happily had eggs thrown on my head for 40 quid. Um, that was kind of, uh, but I'd do anything. If, if everyone's doing drugs, if anyone's doing anything else, I think, all right, I'll give it a go. That was kind of, I just thought, this, I want to fit in and I want to belong somewhere. So I will do anything, whatever it takes to do that. Um, so, so that was me for years. And it didn't provide me the kind of 
happiness and joy that I thought it might. It didn't provide any belonging I thought it might. But I was okay, you know. I, I didn't... Um, I was just mulling through life. Um, it got harder because I started getting involved with more and more people I shouldn't have done. And um, I got myself in a couple of messy situations um, where I really started to just question. I, I came close to, to dying a few times in a few different situations. And I really had to start exploring morality again and kind of exploring what would happen when I go. I always had this question of, I believe there's a God but I don't know really what happens at the end. And, I, and I, I just don't know about this Jesus guy. And um, so I met Nikki eventually. I was probably about 20, 21. So my wife, Nikki, I met her. She wasn't a Christian either. And, um, but she had some kind of faith. She's, uh, she's brought up a Catholic. She, used to, uh, she never went to church or anything. But she was, she was raised with the idea of a God. And uh, she knew I was a Christian. Well, she knew my parents were a Christian. She knew I had some knowledge of God. And um, one day we was having a chat. We was having a chat in my car. We'd probably been going out about five, six months now. I quite liked her. And uh, she, um, she said to me once, out of the blue, she said, Dan, what, where do you think you'll go when you die? What do you think happens when you die? And this is a question I'd avoided. Just avoided, avoided. I didn't want to think about it. I didn't really want to um, do it, but Nikki's asking me, and I, I thought, all right. She says, what do you think happens when you die? So I said to her, not wanting to answer it, I put the question back on her. I said, what do you think happens when you die? And she says, I think I'm going to heaven. Like, I think, why wouldn't I? And I said, why do you think that? She says, well, I'm a good person. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I've done good things, that like, I'm a good person. Why wouldn't I go to heaven? And uh, I said, well, what do you think about hell? She goes, well, I don't think many people go to hell. Uh, Hitler goes to hell. Everyone says Hitler, innit? Who's your kind of, who's like your worst person who's going to go to hell? Everyone thinks Hitler immediately. But kind of that's about it. And so I don't know why I started doing this. Suddenly I started, um, I don't know where this came from because I certainly didn't believe all of this, but suddenly something of what I had heard when I was younger started coming out. And I said to her, so, so what does it take to go to hell then? So you believe Hitler's going to hell. He's done that. And you kind of believe maybe like people have abused children. They would go to hell or something. I said to him, okay, so some sin sends you to hell. There's some stuff we do. So I started saying to her, where is that line then? Where is the, where's the, where's the sin? What line is that sin that means that you're going to hell? And then the other side, that means you're doing okay. How do you know that? So you say like, well, murder, you know, that's a bad one. What about someone that's accidentally killed someone or someone that didn't mean to or someone that was defending themselves or something? What point is killing someone the bit where you tip over the line? You know, Hitler maybe is on this side or something like that kind of mess. But where is the line where that turns to, what even about lying? So I said to her, what about, we've all lied. All of us have done that in some way. So I said to her, what about lying? Where's the one lie? Because you think some lies can cause a lot of damage. Some lies, some politicians' lies in other parts of the world have caused loads and loads of people to die. Do you know? So I said to her, where is that line? Where's the line of what one lie is it that is a lie that tips you over into hell? How do you know you're good enough? And I said to her, do you know that's not what the Bible says, that we can just get in? I don't know why I'm saying this to her, yeah? Because again, I'm not believing any of this. Under what I'm saying to her, I'm also going to hell. Um, but I'm saying to her, where, what is, um, I said to her, the Bible, the Bible says that there is no way to heaven except through Jesus. Again, still not really knowing who Jesus is. I said to her, I know that's what the Bible says. I know that's what church always teaches. That only by Jesus and putting our faith in him, believing in him, can you go to heaven. Because you will never do enough good. And he's done 
all the good that you can need, and he's died for all your bad, just like Joe was telling us yesterday. And I just kind of said that lightly, thinking, I don't really care. I've known that stuff, but I don't really that bothered. She's freaking out now, yeah? Because she's kind of spent most of her life thinking, I'm going to heaven. My life's sorted. If I do die, it's okay, because God's all right with me. Suddenly I've told her, no, you're going to hell if you believe in this stuff. She's freaking out. So she says, man, what do I do about it? I, was like, I don't know. I don't care. Like, what, do you, what do you want from me? I just told you this stuff. You asked a question. It's your... Um, and so she's gone to my mum and dad. She knows my mum and dad, they, um, they believe in this stuff. So she's gone to them and said, is this true? Dan's just told me all this. He's told me I'm, I'm probably going to hell. And uh, a good boyfriend I am. And, uh, and um, I didn't think I said it that way, but that's how she took it. And um, so she's gone to them and gone, is this true? And they've said, well, yeah, that, that's, that's how the Bible puts it. But, but they said, look... Why don't you, you clearly have questions about this and you want to find it out. Well, rather than just us sit and chat this now, why don't, we're about to run an Alpha course at our church. And uh, so the Alpha course, like what the guys have been talking about loads that we're about to have here after this seminar, they said, go on this Alpha course. Yeah, and there on this Alpha course, you can ask all the questions you want. And uh, she's like, okay, we'll do it. She came to me and says, Dan, Dan, I want to go on this Alpha course. It's going to be every Thursday night for six weeks. And I was like, that sounds boring. <laughs> I know all this stuff, and to be honest with you, all that's going to happen, this is my thought of it, all that's going to happen is I'm going to go there, they're going to tell me we shouldn't be having sex, they're going to tell me I shouldn't be partying anymore, they're going to tell me all the bad things that I'm doing, make me feel really rubbish about myself, and then say, now you just need to be a good person and get yourself sorted out. I think, I can't be bothered to spend six weeks just feeling bad about myself, to be honest, because I feel all right now, and I'm happy about how our relationship's going. I can't be bothered. But she was so, something in her about what I'd said had gone to her, I need to find out more about this. If really my salvation or my, where I'm going when I die is in the balance, I need to ask questions and find out more about this. I can't just ignore this. Can we go on in South, of course? And I quite liked her. She's a pretty girl. And the uh, relationship was going all right. And I thought, all right, look, for you, I'll go on it. I'll be a good boyfriend, and I'll, I'll do what you want to do this time. And um, so we went, and it's out for course. And uh, oh, I so dreaded it. Coming from work, I went to this out for course. Really didn't want to hear anything about this. And really didn't want to just get the judgment. But thought, I can take it. I can take it and just ignore it. Nothing has to change. And day one, all they did was talk about Jesus. He was at the church I go to in everyday church when I was at. Just a guy that leads the church was talking about it. And all he did was talk about Jesus. And this took me by surprise a little bit. Um, because he didn't even just say the stuff I knew about Jesus. You know, I knew what the Bible says about him. Um, but what I didn't know, I'm not a massively educated guy. Um, I didn't do history much at school. I kind of, I did my GCCs and went straight on and did an apprenticeship and became a mechanic. For years, and the guy who's leading it, he's a, he's a clever bloke. He's called Phil Moore. He's written a couple of books. You can buy them as well. He's quite quite a clever guy, and he done he's done a history degree, and he started teaching us even about the history of Jesus. And I, I, they might talk about it on this Alpha course here if you end up going. But what I didn't get, I thought Jesus was just an idea you had to believe in. He starts saying to us that there's historical evidence to prove that Jesus actually lived, like definitely lived. And he starts listing it off. He starts going through this stuff. I'm not going to completely go for it now because I'll do it in a really bad way and you'll probably get it better on Alpha. Um, but he starts listing us all this historical evidence of that Jesus was definitely alive. He was definitely a guy that was about. And, uh, and he even starts giving us historical evidence that we can actually believe what the Bible says about what Jesus says. 
Yeah, so we can believe that Jesus said what he said and he did what he did. And I'm hearing this, and I, I don't mind, I like kind of researching stuff, so I go and back to up Wikipedia. And, uh, and he was right. There's quite a lot of letters written even outside of the Bible that kind of back the Bible up. And there's some historians that aren't even Christians, they have no kind of, um, they're not bothered at all about trying to prove this right or wrong. But they're saying, yeah, the Bible as a historical count is sound. I was like, okay, there's something more to this Jesus guy than I ever thought about. And then they start taking on this journey of going, well, what did Jesus say then? Well, John 3.16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, forever believes in him, shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world to condemn the world, which is exactly what I thought was being an alpha course, to judge, make you feel like rubbish, make you just be exposed for all I am, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not... Believe stands condemned already because they've not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. And they left us with three choices, basically, as we kind of go through this course. And there's this guy, C.S. Lewis, who's written a couple of books. He wrote Narnia and all those kind of stuff. And uh, he also wrote some books about God. He was a Christian guy. And um, there's this one he wrote called Mere Christianity. And in that, he talks about the fact that we can't just write Jesus off as a good teacher or his things being nice things to say. He said we either have to come to some kind of conclusion about him that even means he was a bad guy because he said all the stuff he said. He said he was the son of God. He said he was the only way to heaven, but he was lying and he knew he was lying, so therefore he can't be good. Or he was a nutter. He was an absolute madman because he genuinely believed he was God, but he wasn't. So therefore, you have to write him off as the ramblings of like a madman, some mad guy bleating along in 2,000 years ago. Or he was telling the truth. And he was exactly who he said he was. He was God. He was there at the beginning at creation. He will be there at the end. That he really did die. And he really did rise again. And that he is the only way. To and they're the only options we left even thinking, man, what do I do with that? Because I was quite happy writing Jesus off as a... As just some teachings that some people believe in, if they're, if they're kind of a bit boring, can grab it. But suddenly I'm left with the fact that Jesus said what he said. He definitely lived 2,000 years ago. And I either have to decide none of it's true, or it is true. And therefore, what does that mean for my life? And uh, my wife, uh, my girlfriend there, Nikki, she... she she loved it. She was in. She was going, I want to follow him then. This is what I want. I want, I want to know I'm going to heaven. I'm going to follow Jesus. This is going to be my moment. It took me a little bit longer. Um, but I wanted to start this journey. I kept coming to Alpha. I kept then coming to church afterwards. Not because I had to then go to church, but because I wanted to ask more questions. Because I thought, I need to, I can't just dismiss this anymore. Because, uh, do you know, I've been run over as a teenager, somehow survived that. I've had all sorts of, where I used to live, it was a little bit rough. And I've had all sorts of kind of close encounters with death. That I kind of thought, I don't know where my time will be. I need to, at the very least, explore this and work out exactly who Jesus is. And I became convinced, and still am, that he is God. That what he said of himself, that what the Bible says of him, is true. That he really is Lord. And the biggest dilemma I was, I was left with at the end of it was, um, well, what do I do about my mess then? What, about, what do I do about all the stuff I've ever done before? There's no way I've got enough time now to tell you the mess I'd made in my teenage years and kind of all the stuff I'd done. I'd love to say it was a nice glamorous lifestyle of going after the things that I thought were good. I made a mess 
and I got involved in some pretty bad stuff, and we, I'm happy to chat about it at other moments. I just wouldn't have time now. Um, and I was just thinking, well, God, how do I possibly, if you are Jesus and I'm supposed to follow you, how do I possibly get past the shame, the guilt of what I've done, and still doing? My life just hadn't, I hadn't suddenly gone, well, I'll be perfect now. That wasn't the case. How do I get past that? And I think Joe, yesterday, a lot of you see his talk yesterday, Joe McNamara, his description with the, uh, with the cloak was brilliant. But my question would always be when I see that is, but is that really enough for me? Has God really cleaned me? I'm thinking, it's great. He's obviously done it for you and he's done something else, but you don't know what I've done. You don't know the shame I'm feeling. You don't know the guilt I have in my life. Can God really save a sinner like me? And look, I'll end with this. Um, There's one bit of the Bible I was then told about. There's one um, bit where we read about Jesus' death. I'd always heard the story that Jesus died, he rose again. But there's one bit I didn't really know as a teenager, that Jesus wasn't the only one on the cross. There were two others that died next to him. And if there's any example in the Bible of how easy it is to, to, or, or how easily Jesus gives salvation, or he, or he allows you to be saved, or he allows you to start following him, it's this. It's in, it's in Luke. Luke's gospel. There's four gospels. Luke's gospel. In chapter 23, it describes two other prisoners being next to Jesus, two other people being crucified. Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's going to die. He's been crucified for saying he's God. Nothing else. That's the only accusation they put against him. But next to him are two thieves, it says, two thieves on the cross. They've been, they're being executed because of something they've done, because they've done something so bad that the uh, Roman officials have felt it necessary. We need to kill them, and we need to crucify them. They need to be executed then and there. And they're hanging next to Jesus. And one of them, I mean, they're both not happy about it, but one of them's really not happy about it. And he lets Jesus know about it. He's so bitter, so bitter. He says, um, the Bible tells us, he shouts at him and says, aren't you the Messiah? This kind of mocking to him. You're supposed to be this Messiah. Save yourself and save us. He yells at Jesus. The other criminal that's on the cross next to him goes, don't you fear God? Since we're under the same sentence, we're also about to die and meet our maker. They would have been Jews, so they would have believed that there is a God that they're going to meet, and there will be some judgment they fall under, except they're under the law. So the Old Testament tells them that they've got all of these things to fulfill for them to be able to earn their way to some salvation. Well, they've failed in that because they're being hung on the cross for something that they've done wrong. So this guy is aware of that. He says, don't you fear God because we're about to stand before him. Yeah, we're being executed now, but we're going to stand before God and be fully judged for all the stuff we've just done. That's going to be worse than this sentence we're having here. He says, we're being punished justly for what we've done and for what our, de- dese- what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. He knew Jesus. There's something about this encounter, even being next to Jesus on the cross. We don't know if he'd met Jesus before. We don't know what his experience, but he's certainly there spending a lot of time with him now. And there's something about the way Jesus is dying and the way Jesus is handling himself that this thief realizes there's something to this man. He is who he says he is. He is God. The Bible tells us he then says to Jesus, he turns to him and says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He knows Jesus is about to go and stand on the right hand on the throne of God, on the right hand of God. He knows Jesus is about to go and be with his father again. He knows Jesus is going to be there when this guy dies and he's judged. And he turns to him and says, you are my only hope, Jesus. You are all I've got left. Jesus at that moment, if he is God, 
He doesn't just know the guy's there as a bad guy. He knows the guy's heart. He knows everything this guy's ever done wrong. Every single thing he's done wrong. Yeah? What Jesus should have said to this guy in that moment is, no way. You've blown it. You've absolutely blown it, my friend. How are you ever going to earn it? You're hanging on a cross. You're nailed. You're going to die. You can't go and say sorry to the people you've, you've offended. You can't go and say sorry to the people you've, you've killed. You can't apologize to their family. You can't apologize to those you've, you've stolen off of. You can't start reading your Bible. You can't start going to church. You can't start following all the rules. How do you expect to get to heaven and how dare you even ask me? That's what Jesus should have said. He didn't even pray the prayer right. He's going to Jesus, you know. You are taught as a kid, in it? I was taught, dear Lord Jesus, that you have to start all these things. He doesn't do any of that. He just turns to him with no kind of knowledge and just says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. There's no ABC of some repentance thing. There's no, I'm really sorry for this, 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 and this. Lord, there's no promise of, hey, I'll definitely get this right. I've only got a couple of hours to live, but if someone could bring me a scripture, I promise I'll read it, Lord. Or kind of thing. There's no promise of anything. He just says, Jesus, will you remember me? And when we see, in this story, we see exactly what happens when we turn to Jesus and say the same thing. When we say, Jesus, will you remember me? Whatever that prayer looks like for you, whatever that kind of coming to Jesus' prayer looks like, whatever words you use, this also shows us there's no rules to that. It's all about the heart, not about what you say. Jesus sees this man's heart, and he sees that this guy is repentant. He sees this guy is sorry. More than that, he sees this guy just gets, this guy's the Messiah. I've messed up. I've got it so wrong. I am being punished. I deserve this crucifixion, but Jesus, will you remember me when you're in paradise? Will you remember me when you go to your father? Will you remember me in the kingdom of God? He just turns to him, and Jesus says back, truly I tell you, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's what Jesus says to him. That's all he says. This man can do nothing but die and turn to Jesus. And Jesus says, that's enough. That's enough. My grace is sufficient for you. What I've done on the cross is enough. There is no guilt. There's no shame. There's no condemnation. You're judged by man, but you will no longer be judged by God. I am taking your sin here on the cross with me. So today, while you're punished here on earth, you'll be with me in paradise. Wow. There's no justice in that. But that's Jesus' promise to him, and it's his promise to you. And let me tell you this. I'm not going to go and ask people to stand up now. I'm not going to ask people to come and say, do you want to start following Jesus now or something else? The one thing I'm going to tell you is what I wish someone had told me when I was a teenager is doubt everything you've heard. Doubt all I've just told you. Doubt your parents' faith. Doubt what you have been told at church about Jesus. Doubting isn't wrong. It's good to question this stuff. I never questioned it. So therefore, I never really knew Jesus. So when the trials hit, when temptation came, when the world looked far much better than what Jesus had to offer, I chose the world because I didn't know Jesus. When I went on the Alpha course, I got to doubt Jesus. I got to doubt everything I've heard. And by doing that, I found it to be true. And I found it to be so much more than I'd ever imagined. I found the call to follow him far greater than anything I'd pursued before. And I wanted in. For the first time in my life, I wanted in. And so my call to you is there is an alpha course on after this. Go to it. Honestly, we don't know how long we have to keep asking these questions. 
But ask him. Come on his course. Ask the toughest questions you've ever had. All the ones you thought you're not allowed to ask at church, you're not allowed to ask a youth leader. Come and ask them. Doubt what you've heard so that you can find out for yourself if it's true and therefore is it worth giving your life to. Yeah? Go on Alpha. Talk to your youth leaders. I'm going to pray now. The band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in some worship. We've got so much to praise God for because it's so true what we've got to respond to. But... My call to you is question this. Go on your own journey and find out for yourself who is Jesus. And then throughout the rest of the week, we're going to discover what does it mean to follow him. If he is God, what does it mean to follow him? Let me pray for you quickly. Oh, Lord Jesus. God, it blows my mind that I get to stand here before you. Lord, I get to stand here before you and speak truth. I get to stand here and declare you as God, knowing all I've done, that you would still use me, Lord. I wasted so much of my teenage years just pursuing things in the world, pursuing other stuff, Lord Jesus. Yet, you still, your grace was sufficient for me, as the Bible says. You still called me home. You still made a way for me to come back to you, Lord, because you love me. And you love these guys so, so much, more than anyone ever has, Lord. And I pray today, Lord, that people would find a way, either on Alpha or with their youth team or someone else, that, that the young people here today, the teenagers here, will find an opportunity to find out who you are, to ask the tough questions, Lord, to be fearless in asking them, to be bold, Lord Jesus. And as they doubt and as they question what they've heard, Lord, Will you reveal your truth to them, Lord? So they no longer just accept what they've heard before. They no longer just just rely on old truths or their parents' faith, Lord Jesus, but they'll come to know you for themselves, Lord. Bless them and come and have your way. In Jesus' name, amen.